Yep. Bam. I've, I've done that before where you get through a whole episode and realize you didn't record. Oh. <laughs> it's really fresh. And it's always one of those episodes you couldn't recreate. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. The, ma- the most magical episode. Yeah. Yeah. The one that's like all based on like jokes about conspiracy theories or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think um, the summer, the, the first uh, COVID summer, which, which yeah. sounds crazy to say. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, the wire asked me to go to the Sunrise House and interview Marshall Allen, mm. and I'm like, absolutely not. I'm not going around Marshall Allen at age. He was probably like 90 then. Mm. I'm like, I'm not risking getting Marshall Allen sick, a fucking living library. So I said, absolutely not. Let's do it over Zoom. Mm. And somebody at the label, I think they they were working with uh, Strut somebody at the label was there at the house with them and i was like yo i'll record on my end you know it'll be cool and they're like no 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 no. i'll i'll record and it'll be fine and i did this long like hour and a half like beautiful interview with marshall allen and the guy from the label as soon as we hung up and said our goodbyes and everything immediately after the guy from the label hit me back and was like yo i I didn't record any of that wow (laughs) Like That's I could brutal. choke you <laughs> That's through, brutal. The fucking, through my email. I could choke you. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> we we rescheduled and had another long, beautiful conversation. But yeah, that first one is it, it went out into the air and, and that oh. was it. Oh. Wow. Terrible. A pod Terrible. for two. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I mean, yeah, at least you got to speak to him twice. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. True. You know I mean? What's up? All right, that that's our intro. So there we go. We got there it is. Done. Yeah, done. We're done with the whole podcast. Fuck you. <laughs> Black respect Sabbath. Who? Um, yeah. <laughs> nah. Uh, all right. So boom. You know, podcast buddy podcast episode five because this is album four, I believe. Nice. As it's called yes. volume four, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, here with with our friend, our friends John Morrison, Nisia Kim. Uh, Gang PTP, Alaska Adams over there. How's it going? Uh, it's, it's going very well. <laughs> um, shall we dive in to this uh, this 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 wondrous this wondrous thing that uh, let's do it. Let's go to the volume four side of things. Um, the LA side of things, apparently. Yeah. Oh boy. Oh boy. Uh, <laughs> so murder mansion. The murder mansion. <laughs> oh boy, I, didn't, I don't know if you got to that part of the article yet. So yeah, let's we, we can dive in though. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I guess let's just let's just start with how Sabbath entered. This is a question that we kind of run over each episode with our various friends. Um, how did Sabbath come into your world, and um, you know, then in particularly this album or specifically this album. Uh, John and Anisia, or you want to go alphabetical? Alphabetically, uh, <laughs> <laughs> pressure's on. <laughs> um, so for me, Sabbath as a group, the first song I ever heard, which is like, I guess not that special, is War Pigs. And I was like, okay, the drums on this are sick. Mm-hmm. I um, am a self taught drummer. So I was just kind of like, and stylistically wasn't really sure like where I was and this was six five six years ago so I'm a I'm a new but dedicated Sabbath fan um and I that was the first song I heard and I was like okay the drums are awesome and I don't really I've heard of this band I've seen the you know everyone knows Ozzy he's a household name but like I've never really dug into it because I didn't grow up listening to rock metal I grew up listening to Dipset and G-Unit and I grew up in the Bronx and like that was a whole world that like I could find on my own um Mm -hmm. so yeah that that answers that question when I when I heard that song I was like okay they're cool but this is not the rock that everyone is talking about this is a little bit different this feels this has a feel this feels funkier Mm -hmm. and more raw and like this isn't like this is if, if I knew this is what rock sounded like, I definitely would have been bumping this way longer. So or like <laughs> way long ago. So yeah, that's how that happened. Oh yeah. 
uh, you said a keyword. I'll, I'll get back to that. But I just want to ask how how did how did you fall on war pigs? Like, how did war pigs find you? Or how did you find war pigs? How did that answer? Um, like, was it a friend? Was it a, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It was definitely a friend of mine who I told like, oh, I'm, I'm taking this drumming shit seriously. Like I'm now I'm taking lessons. Like I'm like scouring Facebook to link up with old drummers who want to give me 30 minutes of their time a week. And uh, <laughs> they were like, oh shit, you should, you should listen to this song. And it was like, a 12 minute song and I'm like and then I'm listening to it and I'm like whoa okay this is this is nice I like the pocket I like the feel um I should remember the exact friend but just know if you're listening you really set a fire in me so thank you you are appreciated <laughs> um yeah I uh do want to talk about do you want to mention how you got to this album so Bobby Four specifically, um, it was so. Yeah, it wasn't even about the drums. It, then I then I discovered Tony Yomi, and I was like, okay, his guitar style is awesome. I I just am now playing with guitar just for fun, just to like you know the mental exercise. So I'm like studying him a little bit more, and like I hear Orchid on um, Masters of Reality. Yes you know nothing else needs to be said and I'm like okay this is really great let me dig into um and then I think on shuffle on spotify the song snowblind comes on and I'm like this is the most poetic song about drugs I've ever heard mm. like very sweetly but then like you hear snowblind and I'm like okay this is like this is about a love interest I, I probably on the fifth listen I'm like oh the love interest is cocaine right. so this just twists my whole understanding of like this band is like they're really raw and like I'm I'm running snowblind like I'm I hear a song and like I play it for like three straight weeks so I didn't even touch the rest of the album I'm still on snowblind oh. and then I'm like okay let me peep this album in its entirety and I'm like this is like not this one song did not paint the story of this album so I think like two summers ago volume four and I'm, I'm I'm in a band at this point and um, I'm playing drums and like every time we go to practice we're bumping we're just sharing music things we heard no one's heard the song and I'm like this is like Snowblind was one of the songs that I was like this when people hear Black Sabbath they they list a whole bunch of other songs Snowblind is not really one of them mm -hmm. and then that album wasn't one that most people really mentioned and I was just like kind of stuck on the drumming by Bill Ward crooning Ozzy's crooning and like it's 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 also sounding a little bit unhinged in like a way that's different than like the first three albums but also as I was reading I found out that this was the first album that they self-produced that like Tony Yomi really did the production on and like you can hear that um so I kind of just became obsessed with that because probably because at the time when I was in my band we were self-producing our own shit too mm -hmm. and like it wasn't polished but it was still really beautiful and it was still a little awkward and like even the even the sequence of the album is just a little bit all over the place but um I really love that about volume four so when I got asked to talk about Sabbath and then I got to pick an album I was like I hope no one picked volume four and so I'm super glad no one did oh <laughs> uh, <laughs> word yeah we'll, we'll, we'll uh probably go over the uh the fact somehow um that this isn't like one of the canonically like celebrated you know, this is not the critically lauded, like, mm. like, this is not the first three albums, basically. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no. number four. Or the, or the first two, really, you know, like, if, if uh, most people, by most people's so-called standards or whatever. Um, yeah, let the critics tell, it would, that would be the entire Black Sabbath canon. Yeah, <laughs> it just starts <laughs> and ends at Iron Man. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> um, yeah, thank you. Thank you, Anisha. Uh, John, what, what about your, your Sabbath origin story and all? So this is interesting, um, or maybe it's not. Let your, your listeners <laughs> will <laughs> determine <laughs> whether or not this is interesting. Um, but I, I actually uh, discovered Sabbath through this album, Volume 4. Oh, right? wow. Yeah, yeah, okay. because um, I also did not grow up listening to guitar music. Um, probably ar around, like, seventh grade, 
uh, I got bused to a school in Northeast Philly, which was like the school wasn't majority white, but it was like 40, 40 white, 40 black. And then, you know, 20 percent everybody else. Um, so culturally, I grew up uh, thoroughly in like hip hop culture inside my house and in my neighborhood in the 80s and early 90s. And then the music of uh, my parents, their young adult music was like Philly International, that kind of stuff. So everything I heard was like block parties, DJs cutting up hip hop records. And then we drive home and listen to WDAS and it's like all Teddy Pendergrass mm. or like the OJs. So that was like my musical world, thoroughly black up until I got bused to this school. And, you know, you know, how kids are kids are curious. I start exchanging tapes with other kids that I'm meeting. And at that point, I started picking up, you know, like the Jimi Hendrix experience, you know what I mean? Like stuff like that. I'm, I'm starting to like explore guitar music around the same time. I'm starting to dig like on my own. You know what I mean? I, I was already like making beats. All of all of my musical stuff is through the prism of, of beat making, just as like for clarity. Um, so I'm starting to dig and build up my own record collection separate from, you know, making beats off of my older brother's records. So there was a place, uh, it's, it's probably still there, uh, a thrift store in Germantown. Germantown's uh, in the northwest section of Philly, uh, historically black working class neighborhood, uh, small professor, his family's from there. Uh, the Sunrise House is there. There's like a whole jazz history, all of that stuff. Um, there's a thrift Wait, not to, not to interrupt you, but on some Philly shit. Isn't vodka and them from there? Yeah, vodka's from uh Germantown. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's it's like it's it's a whole deep like musical history out of that neighborhood in particular. Um, but there was uh this big thrift store there called the Whosoever Gospel Mission. And that was the the it's basically staffed by uh formerly incarcerated people. And that was my first digging spot, like my first that was like my spot. They had this huge record room. So I used to go there on Saturdays and just post up in the record room and just go through thousands of LPs and 45s. And I pulled out this Black Sabbath record, volume four. The cover looks crazy. And I'm like, I've kind of heard kids talk about this. And I've, I've, I've seen like the T-shirts and stuff, but I didn't know anything about Black Sabbath. So I bought the record on my little like my little like dig in stack for the day and I took it home. And I threw it on the turntable and that intro came on like that. And I was like, yo, what the fuck is this? shit?" <laughs> like, mm -hmm. And is I think it was intriguing um, because uh, I was at that age when, you know, there was a lot of uh, dark music. That was intriguing. This was probably so this was probably like around ninth grade when I actually got the record. So I think uh if gravediggers weren't out, they were like, you know, we we you know the we knew about gravediggers and all of that shit. Like I, I think ninth grade was when that that record came out. Uh so there, there was like this whole wave of like mm -hmm. dark energy around music that was like intriguing to me as a kid. 90, and, 90, 93, 94, 94 is great diggers. Yeah. 94. So yeah, exactly. So like I'm listening to this record and I'm like, yo, this shit is like evil and it's like spooky. And it has like a, a, a weight to it. You know what I mean? Like a spiritual weight. A lot of the guitar music at the time, uh, I remember like green day uh, dookie was like the biggest record in eighth grade. You know what I'm saying? But this shit was like, some other shit and it yeah. felt like if i could feel the blues in it which i you know being black in america like i know even at that young age i know what the blues sounds like you know what i'm saying so i could feel that it was that but it was also this kind of like evil energy to it or like a, a i don't see evil like a uh a, a kind of like dark 
mystical energy to it. Mm-hmm. And it just, you know, it pulled me in and like, you know, from uh, the intro, just like playing through the record, I was like, yo, this shit is is really dope. And it has um, sonically it it didn't sound like really much of anything uh, that I had heard before later. You know, I could like pick apart, you know, oh, this this influence comes from here. Maybe this, you know, maybe they were listening to that or whatever. But at the time, being young and listening to it, it felt like completely like otherworldly to me and that was and then of course you know i've found i think uh master of reality was the next one so i from there i started like grabbing their records and and uh putting together the whole puzzle but volume four was was the first one for me Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um what's that again you said lucky yeah (laughs) i found volume four but i'm like damn i don't know if i would have Mm. I avoided it for so long because I thought it was a live record based off of the oh, cover. Based off that, the cover. I don't really yeah. like live records. Um, yeah. uh-huh. You know, there's just something that I don't think it translates well to record when you do. I mean, occasionally it does, but, you know, yeah. um, I, I had a lot of friends that were like deadheads. So they would always put these hissy tapes on that were like, yeah, just all this noodling. And I was like, I don't really want to listen to that. that shit. <laughs> yeah. Oh, shit. So wait, so Tim, how'd you, Alaska, how'd you, how'd you get to it? Uh, I mean, just in time, like just sort of like digging through things. Um, I would throw it on whenever I was trying to like make a Sabbath playlist. I always like went through and just sort of like cherry pick stuff out. Mm. And then um, probably about like five years ago, I actually sat down with the record and was like, wow, this whole thing is brilliant. Like I, you know, I would pick like Snowblind and put mm. that in my mix. Ah. Um, but like finally like sitting with it and like just, you know, from the madness that erupts in the very first song, um, you know, like halfway through when it kind of switches between like wheels of confusion and the strain, the straightener. Uh, and then like the end of Supernaut, where it's just like war going bananas. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that, that like, that just like sucked me in like the, the greater composition. I always like felt like Sabbath sort of got, and this was before, like, I really started digging deep into the records. Like, I always just thought, like, they were, like, a two-album group that just had a couple good singles on each album after that. And then, like, mm. now, like, their later records are my favorite records. I don't even really go back and fuck with the early ones. Mm. Um, but, yeah, like, even, like, um, I was reading some, like, Frank Zappa said that the end of Supernaut is, like, his favorite thing ever. And just, like, praises Bill Ward constantly. Yeah. Wow. Um, yo, thank you all for for sharing the stories um yeah I, I think i came up like i this was sort of like in the in my like my binge i like went through a like a uh got the first record got the second and third record for like my birthday my pops was like oh you like sabbath cool i got nice. you and then <laughs> it's like oh cool yeah i could i could fuck with this and then um yeah i think i just i just got this the i got this sabbath bloody sabbath maybe around the same time and maybe even sabotage so like the the, the next few albums in the catalog mm. i was kind of one i'm one of, one of those folks similar maybe similar to all y'all too in a way where it's just like okay i need i need i need to see like the lineage here mm. um and yeah i mean it was it, you know it it was that thing of like okay wow this sounds really different it opens up unlike any other sort of sabbath album up to that point and but then you know it starts winding it's like there's a lot of changes that just kind of come out of left and then uh there are those moments where it it sort of grounds us back into the 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 mode of like what i call like the sabbathine uh mode of like just heavy and and slow so to speak like the things that i like that's what i really favored and like loved about sabbath that's like what like i was magnetized to it was that uh it's so it's abundant in the first three records i think on this record they start to go even further away from doing that or leaning into it as much but you hear it on like cornucopia um on the very last song as well those like really just slow heavy riffs that you know birthed whatever sludge doom metal stoner metal etc etc whatever but um yeah last song is crazy crazy madness we'll get it yeah. you know we'll definitely get into that but yeah that's 
that's like what anchored me in and i was like okay and i just would go back to it but like yeah again snow blind was one of those songs too where i was just like oh this is this is this is something else super not yeah. to that change up madness it's funny thinking about the slowness because when when i was growing up like before i got into hip-hop like from like 82 to like 87 i was like crazy into metal mm-hmm. and you know it was like it was always the fastest like what's the fastest you know it was like thrash metal was the, what was happening mm-hmm. and like that was sort of deemed the heaviest and then you hear this and it's like that stuff is nowhere near as heavy as this music and then like you look at like a band like slayer where they get really heavy is when they slow it down or down like you know their their later albums where it gets really slow you're like oh, okay that's where the heaviness is. Now you were hiding all your technical deficiencies earlier when you were playing fast. <laughs> it's like the fast rapper syndrome. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How many syllables could you say in one bar? Yeah. Without no. saying a damn thing. Fast, damn fast thing. rappers hide their uh, conceptual deficiencies too. Yes. <laughs> there you go. There you go. There you go. <laughs> um, should we talk about, uh, you know, I guess like, I mean, it, the blues in Sabbath's music and sort of how that's channeled here. And, and also what I was sort of raising my arms about, um, you know, those folks listening cannot, can, couldn't have seen that. But like when Anisha said funky, mm. that's been, that's been, that's literally been said every conversation because it's a running theme. Yeah, It's a running theme because Sabbath, sabbath has like a funk to him it's it's more than just like like i could you know i think i we we spoke about in the first episode we were talking about how like if you were into breakbeats you could be into like the first record especially or Mm -hmm. like certain elements of like these records because there are just like those grooves where like and there's like certified drum breaks and actually it's an open on this on this album there's like an open we were talking about that earlier where cryptic pointed out that the wizard and fire in which you burn basically have the same drum pattern Mm -hmm. Which was like when he said that, like my brain <laughs> fell out of my head onto the bar. Or <laughs> <laughs> shout out the crib. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess like there's there's a presence. The opening that open that opening like wailing guitar, like that crying guitar of uh, what was that shit? Wheels of confusion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like you know, Iomi holding that, like putting that shit to the forefront, right dead in center. Like, this is the first thing we're going to give you. Whereas like the blues, I felt like, I feel like the blues and, and I feel like our conversations lean toward like the blues being more so in the rhythm section of like geezer and ward or Butler and ward kind of like that presence that like you would hear the bass or rather like the presence of the bass that would be engineered to, to like a forefrontal sort of like element in the music. Like you mm. hear Geezer running up and down the fret in all those songs on the first three albums. <clears throat> Here, the sound changes. Like, I was listening to it last night and I texted Alaska. Like, I was just like, yo, does this sound like incredibly different than those first three records to you? And I mean, what did you say, Alaska? You were like, I was like, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's all, uh, it, it switched from uh, Ward and Butler running, running the point to now it's uh, Iomi. And, mm. and ward and it's just like even the the sort of eq or like the the mix on the drums sounds wild different it doesn't sound like as sort of like natural it, it's almost like machine gun like you know right. it's just like it's sort of like a, a more sort of violent sound i think than the warm sound of the drums on the <laughs> earlier records yeah. yeah it's not as it's like in a lot of ways i feel like it's not as like earthy pound like earth like earth pounding as like those first three records. Like it's a different, I mean, that's also how they're playing too, you know, that's, like going. Go I, I was just going to say, um, I'm not a drummer, but uh, I did notice listening to this um, Ward's drumming uh, is a lot like splashier, not like, like flashy in a technical sense, but like literally just like a lot of like symbol things happening where I feel like, um, on the the first three you know correct me if i'm wrong but a lot of the uh the drumming it sounded uh a lot more economical so to speak a lot of the the drums here uh he's he's just like 
going to town on the symbols and it, it sounds crazy and i think um is it is it super not the one that has like the long open drum break mm-hmm. i'm like yes. yo this shit is like it's like a breakbeat in the middle of this you know what yeah. i'm saying like so yeah it's i hear a lot of that um funkiness and and a lot of a, a, a different approach to rhythm than mm-hmm. you know on the the earlier records mm. and i think on the earlier records he he talks about it in some some documentaries about playing his drums to Ozzy's vocals. Mm. And it feels like here, he's like, I'm not following you anymore. It's to your turn to follow me. Yeah. Like, you know, but uh, and Anissa, as a drummer, like, what, what are your thoughts on it? <laughs> um, we, we want, we want the uh, professional opinion here. Uh, <laughs> uh, I think it's really funny because I'm such a nerd and I'm going to say some really nerdy shit that <laughs> I looked Excellent. up. So when I like fixate on someone, I have to look up their star sign. And Bill Ward's also a Taurus, which I find really funny because, hey, you get it. I hey. feel like I can just, something about Ozzy being a Sag and Bill being a Taurus, <laughs> that dichotomy of like, just like fire and earth. It, I feel like it really, specifically on this album and it's their fourth one. So now, you know, they got a rapport, they know each other, mm-hmm. you know, and I feel like the drummer's plight is always, you know, playing my position and not trying to overstep and, you know, I'm holding it down. But, you know, on the fourth one, on this one, it feels like they, he tried something new. It feels like he's like, I want to, I want to, I want to lead a little bit. I want to get a little bit out of the pocket and like that, I don't know that that does something special for me because I feel like as I'm as I've just been like experiencing and drumming my drum styles I'm like there's the safe place and I feel like any drummer any star sign can relate to that there's a you want to hold it down you're holding down the groove and then there's a place you want to get once you're comfortable you want to get a little bit weird and it, mm-hmm. it, just, it chuck, I chuckle because I feel like on this album you can hear he's getting weird and the album itself got weird like FX for example FX. like FX was that but it's just yeah. like that, that was like <laughs> it just feels like someone was just like i just want to hear some real percussive random synthy garble for a second and then i want to get into um what's the next one on that one but it's like a nice break into that um and i feel like yeah definitely i feel like you can definitely hear that um bill ward's drumming is he's just a little bit more comfortable it feels like he's he's just like in it and like there's now we we take the blues element and like it I feel like it's setting the stage for Ozzy to just really Mm. be a little bit and he's already unpolished but to really just be like like changes for example is like the song and like the it's not like super I don't think of the drums too much on that song but like He's there. The drums are there, but I'm. Are, are the drums on changes? Yeah, but they're like not. It's not. It's it's the holding down the groove kind of thing. Mm. It's not like the funkier, like super not or like uh, mm. the last track, for example. Right. Um, and it's like, yeah, it just feels like they're creating space. But like, I feel like Bill Ward got to sit, like talk his shit a little bit and be like, all right, this is how this is the direction in which it's going to go. And I also feel like that's obvious because of the flow of the album itself. Like, I feel like if you leave a drummer to come up with the sequence of an album, it'll make, it's not, it's not a melodic instrument. So it'll, it might come out differently than if you have like the guitarist or the bass player being like, this is how the feel of the song can go. Cause we're thinking about feel differently. Mm. At least that's how I see it. Word. Huh? Good luck. Thank you. Word. I, I oh. hope it makes sense. <laughs> no, that makes sense. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I was going to say, too, like, changes is crazy. I was thinking about this last night, like, and how it maintains the... It, it is like, it's a blues... It's like a bluesy ballad, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's a bluesy rock ballad because you have... I mean, that's kind of redundant, I guess. Um, because you had that call and response between Ozzy and the piano doing the riff, so to speak. Like they're talking to each other. Like he mm-hmm. says the line, and then the piano comes. Ding, ding, ding. I feel unhappy, bum, bum, bum. You know yeah. what I mean? So it's it's just like it's the same shit to make the most like elementary ass blues reference. But I needed that. That was some real save by the bell, like Zach at the talent show shit. Yeah. 
<laughs> you know, a pair of Ray-Bans on for that. <laughs> yeah, where are they at? <laughs> um, yeah, I just... Uh, there's a lot of... Yo, also there's like tambourine. There's like a lot of tambourine present. Mm-hmm. And is that... So I guess like, is that Ozzy playing it, do you think? Like, or is that is that Ward adding on? Or is that part of his kit? I wouldn't be surprised if that was Ozzy. Yeah, I feel like I've seen video of Ozzy playing tambourine and someone like banging it off his hip and shit, doing that move and then bringing it for the clap over his head. The two tambourine moves. Yeah. <laughs> Classic rock moves. Yeah. Percussive element, and it's not Bill at all. It's just Ozzy playing the percussive role and the sing on that one. Yeah. Yeah. Mm word i mean the tambourine would also make a lot of sense for la like it feels like real like stevie nicks witchy woman vibe in like 1972 cocaine fueled la yeah yeah we i think i feel like uh i feel like master master reality had some tambourine moments like even in i think like i think after forever okay which which is not your favorite i know alaska you said that's like probably your least maybe your least favorite moment on that album um, yeah i like it grew <laughs> on me it work for me at all the musically it's great but ozzy singing just sounds off mm, mm, mm. <laughs> yeah um i call i like wait what was that whisper what happened how i feel about changes ah. <laughs> Changes. Is, i mean changes is probably the most like uh polarizing element mm. i think more so than effects on this I, I can't listen to it anymore after the uh charles bradley cover yeah yo also i think hard. about that so yeah, much now really hard to go back to it now yeah yeah okay yeah so we've all seen that one maybe that's what it is <laughs> maybe that's, <laughs> like, okay i've seen that displayed in real pain and yeah like, yeah but anyway yeah Damn. <laughs> yeah, I just learned that, like reading the articles today, that it's the songs about Bill Ward's uh, divorce. Yeah, I've heard that. Yeah. Said, I'm gonna take a step back, but you <laughs> tell my story. That's yeah. <laughs> Word. Yeah, they uh, were having a lot of fun with that one. With yeah. This, this album. With the with the album in general, you say? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean. Yeah, I, so, I, Speaking of where they almost killed him too during the sessions, you guys know about this? No, what? So <laughs> he got so drunk because he, there's like a part of like the story of this record, like he couldn't get the cornucopia break right. Mm. Like he couldn't figure it out and he was like struggling through it. And they said he was drinking too much at the time, like his drinking got out of hand and he finally got it, but he thought he was going to get kicked out of the band and everything. But because of that level of drinking, he passed out one night and they found these gold spray paint cans of like Rusto and just, you know, they were all running around naked, high on cocaine and he passed out naked <laughs> and they painted him head to toe in gold spray paint. Oh, like on yeah. some like James Bond Goldfinger <laughs> <Yeah>. shit. <laughs> but he, he literally breathe. almost died, like had to go to the hospital type yeah. shit. Yeah. Right, 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 right. Cause you get yeah, cut off the oxygen, your skin needs, like you need, your pores need to fucking breathe at some point. Right. Yeah. Jesus. Like alcohol poisoning. Yeah. Yeah. No. It's just a yeah. bad mix. And yeah. I think I owe me like, almost died on tour for this record because of the amount of cocaine they were doing it's Yo, getting dark after this record i read somewhere that uh while they were recording this record that they spent 75 grand in coke uh in cocaine yeah in like a six week time frame yeah yeah they spent half of their budget on cocaine <laughs> that, that's some la shit yeah, the quality yeah. of cocaine to spend that much and they're all still they're they're they made it through the end of that they lived yeah. they lived Yo. yeah it was not cut yeah, yeah. <laughs> jesus yeah imagine Ooh. that like yo 75 grand go to the record plant to record and then the other <laughs> 75 grand is all blow all jesus. Blow. they say they're getting shoeboxes delivered twice a day nah man what? man the plug was eaten <laughs> Yeah, the plug, plug lived very well that year. I was going to say, shout out to the plug, whoever he was. God <laughs> damn. damn. That's wild, right? But I mean, I think maybe we talk about this because they wanted to call the record Snowblind. Mm. And um, the label pushed back. So it was like, you know, they basically like in the liner notes, they were like, thank you to the Coke 
a cola company <laughs> for right. like supporting this record. Oh, it's like, like yeah. an all caps, I think, or something yeah, like that. Yeah. yeah. Holy smokes. Wow. Um, Yo, that is crazy. So, it, yeah. So, I mean, you know, it was that could explain a lot of the difference. They went from like booze and downers to cocaine, it, booze and downers oh. in Birmingham right. to right. cocaine in uh, the DuPont mansion. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that changes. Yeah, that'll change the pace of the music for sure. Yeah. I'll change the pace of the music. Um, that had an influence on the sequence of the album. Mm-hmm. Like, I think, like, is it FX into changes? Uh, it is. F- yeah. No, nah, I thought it was FX into Supernaut. Supernaut. It's changes into FX and Supernaut. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. That, yeah, that's like, I feel like that to me is like, and maybe that's because I didn't start with the album. I started with Snowblind. Like that, I would have listened to that and probably like got lost on it and probably wouldn't have made it to the second half. Mm. You know, you know what's crazy too, and and uh, just how how the album came out on vinyl, um, being that side B starts. Side B is crazy. Like side B is all the it's all the shit. Like it's mm-hmm. it starts with Snowblind and it goes to you know goes mm-hmm. to Under the Sun, right? So. <laughs> It's all like the more, yeah, like they were really taking a lot of chances on side A, really. Like they were just like shaking shit up all side A. Yeah. We're going to hit you with changes, effects, do this like tambourine, funky stuff, like more up-tempo stuff. You don't really hear that slow Sabbath until Mm. until side B, really. Second side, yeah. 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 Uh, Tim, uh, Alaska mentioned... um, in some pre 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 recording conversation, pre Zoom conversation, uh, the word "furious" came up, like in terms of the style of play, mm-hmm. um, versus like say "trudging" or whatever words that you'd you'd apply to those sort of earlier kind of like again like trademark Sabbath um, riffs and and rhythm section. Uh, yeah, like what what's I, I mean, I don't know. Like, what's your take on, what is your take on, um, like the that like that term applied to this album? You know, the change. Like, how does this album compare? I guess. I mean, I don't know. Shit. How does the album compare in terms like the style of play um, to the, your other Sabbath experiences or whatever? Like, you know, does does Furious check out for you? Um, <laughs> I, um, <laughs> I think I, I I appreciate that though this one isn't as acclaimed as the first three and they're all acclaimed like it mm. feels like there's still a tether to the spirit of the first three it just feels like without the context of knowing that they were in a different place and doing different drugs and in a different place mentally like I I think you can hear it but it's still all them and i think it's even more so because they were so locked in by this point Mm -hmm. um that like yeah it feels like this could have been like i i I wonder why it took so long to get to this as like i feel like this album could have been number two or number three Mm. so hmm word um right right quick i mean it's interesting too because when you start reading back on these like finding out the history of these albums and it's just like oh like you didn't need to, you didn't really need like like you said like you didn't need that history in order to, to sort of hear that they might have been in a different place mm-hmm. you know and maybe fuck with some different drugs and all that you know what i mean but like also to think about the context of the first two albums being made within a few months of each other you know within that same year but like within a series of months i feel like and over what was the hours it was like a, like 12 hour sessions or something 12 hour session yeah 12 hours recording 12 hours makes jesus nice <laughs> like are you serious uh and also yeah then a changing of the staff too as far as production is concerned you know mm-hmm. um also i feel like their manager had stepped into the picture uh they had a manager who was uh, also is is also credited as producer and yeah producer and i think after this like their management bought out their record contract and started like applying more pressure from the management side mm. um on the band maybe but, that's how we get changes over. maybe yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah i mean i, I kind of feel like the, the like the sabbath arc through the first four records is like the almost like a hero's journey 
type mm. of thing where it's like the first two records are like the young person who's super talented in something master of reality is where they have to go off to the wilderness and like struggle through whatever. <laughs> and then this album is where they come back as like the hero, like the untouchable hero. Cause this album's so powerful and like hard. It's like, even like the, the vulnerabilities in it yeah. are like hard earned vulnerabilities that you don't necessarily know in the first record. Cause you're just hearing these dudes. Right. Now you got like the history behind everything. And it's just like, mm. they're almost bulletproof at this point. Right. I mean, like, like you say, like a, like a, like a sweet leaf to snow blind comparison, as far as like how we're going to address our love for, or, or, you know, addictions perhaps. Yeah. Mm. Uh, John, you want to add anything and throw anything to the hat? Yeah. Um, you, you brought up uh, the phrase or the word furious in uh, describing a lot of this music. And that's something that uh, popped into my mind as well as I was kind of, I haven't listened to this record in a little bit. It used to be, uh, <laughs> it used to be one of my um, like October Halloween records Ooh. for years. <laughs> and I would play and I would make like Halloween mixtapes and I would always play, put like different tunes, like Sabbath tunes alongside other random spooky shit on uh mixtapes but um i haven't listened to this record in a while but um i was listening to supernaut and it opens up uh <laughs> it's funny that that like 16th note uh hi-hat that ward opens up with absolutely reminded me of isaac hayes's uh shaft okay. intro but then they throw like this big crazy riff and it, you know, it's got the drum break that we talked about. And uh, I was listening to uh, the solo, the guitar solo, and it's absolutely unhinged. Like we're, we're just like you listen to certain moments of like Hendrix where he's playing and it sounds like like, yo, what the fuck are you even doing with right. uh, the strings? I got this a similar feeling out of uh, Tony Iommi's uh, solo here. Mm. It just it just sounded like bugged out and almost, you know how like uh, like not as 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 far out as this example, but you know how like uh, Glenn Branca plays guitar or uh, like Ardo Lindsay plays guitar, where it's just like it sounds just like almost like you're not attempting to make music mm. his solo on super not like almost like shades into that area where it's like like this is furious and aggressive to the point where it's like it's like almost insane right. to listen to <laughs> and, and like really focus on you know what i mean and i i always um once I got into guitar music and then the kind of like weirder jazz stuff, I always appreciated stuff like that. Like a, like uh, the guitarist uh, Alan Lick plays like that or, or like Farrell Sanders plays uh, the saxophone like that, where you're, you're, you're almost hearing something that's like non-musical or it has shades of like non-musicality noise as we, you know, yeah. would say. that's just like my, my long, you know, like way long winded way of saying that. Um, and there's, there's a lot of moments on this record, especially uh, with the rhythm section. That's like, it's so explosive. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like, I, I, I love, I love to picture musicians in a room when they made a thing, you know what I mean? It's like, yo, how did y'all feel like, playing with that much uh intensity and fire you know what i mean and i think it, it provides a nice counterbalance to a song like changes or um the the uh instrumental uh laguna sunrise right right you know what i mean it's like i love records with a nice balance too where it's like you got a lot of crazy shit but then also we got some like uh tender not chill but like tender softer moments too sure sure yeah tender that's a yeah that's a lovely counterbalance word to the words we've been using to describe like the descriptors furious and and all aggro uh-huh <laughs> like that is exactly how if someone were to ask me how to describe sabbath i would say furious and tender mm. Mm. 
Yeah. So w this would be like a the defining album for you, do you think? Would you say? Maybe that's like redundant almost to ask. Yeah, I would say that. I would mm -hmm. say that. Mm. It's not yet, especially because it's not even the first one that I heard. So I feel like it's the one that like makes the most, it's it like somehow through all the chaos and like different elements of like, this was Yomi's time to shine. This is Ward's time to shine. Like it all mm -hmm. still makes a lot of sense. Like, and it loops perfectly too. Like the last track could be the first track, the first track and the last track. Mm. I did, I peeped that last night because the car, the <laughs> car was- still works, yeah. Yeah. Not because the car will just play the first song again when the last one ends. I'm just like, I was like parking or something. I wasn't looking and I was like, oh, what's this song? Like, I listened to this, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. What was I going to say? What is, uh, is Super Not the one and with, with the drum break and all and, and the, the furious uh, guitar solo? Is that the one with the riff that's like, it's like, it sounds like, like, Iomi's like just sliding his arm like up and down to like make that like main riff. I forget like there's that part. It's like Man. something like that. Yeah. 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 And it's like the second part. It's the B part to that, that mel that like melodic, that motif or whatever that, or that movement. Like there's that. I, think, yeah, I mean, we're, we're also like literally about to be air guitaring in the, in the summer. So. <laughs> <sighs> Um, how about that triplet? And then is this is this the switch up we're talking about on Cornucopia? That like it goes in that, that like triplet times like that triplet sort of like that three time signature. Um, yeah, that's I think that's the part he was having trouble getting I, down. Yeah, I think that's the one. The swing, yeah, yeah, like the crazy swing. That part, that's that song fucked me up. Like coming after Snowblind, and then it's just like the heaviest you know dirtiest riff ever and then it's it goes metal band please do remember we're, we're still a metal band yes we're still yeah. a fucking metal band you know and it, like literally that's At the time the, first... the only metal band right right <laughs> you know? right right we're inventing this genre as we go yeah. maybe blue cheer yeah right. maybe it makes sense to you later when we have some <laughs> <laughs> they're like they're like the first organized confusion record of metal. Uh, <laughs> yeah. People will get 20 years later. Oh, shit. So true. Ultra magnetic. Word. Um, Jesus. Uh, Goddamn. Yeah. I don't know. Favorite songs. Favorite songs. Other than Snowblind. <laughs> Other than Snowblind. Um, <laughs> or favorite moments, even. And like... And their whole discography? No, just on, on this album. On oh, this on album. <laughs> uh, I like, I like FX a lot. I mm -hmm. favorite. I mean, shit. Afraid. Okay, if I can't say Snowblind, I have to pick a favorite. I mean, we know Snowblind is your favorite. <laughs> Forty-five seconds long, but like, I think the 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 ethos of putting something like FX on that album is like really cool because now it's like, what is this instrumentation? And like, you can hear it and you can like, oh, I love Yomi's Rift here and I love Ward's Break here. But with FX, you just have to sit and listen and be quiet, mm -hmm. take it in. It's a little break and then we're going to get back into it. And like, that's, that's risky. And mm -hmm. on a fourth album, you want people to still care, but like, it's, it's risky. I think that's really cool. So yeah. I think because of what it, it stands for i would say fx hell yeah what <laughs> yeah i was dead i was principle <laughs> right no but i was just like yo imagine if someone says fx oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> nice <laughs> nice I was like hell yeah <laughs> i walked right into that one yeah no nah, no nah, i mean i i yeah i share those sentiments um john what about you um it's not my favorite moment, uh, but I, I also do love FX uh, for a lot of the same reasons for them having like, you know, the fucking gall to throw that on a record, um, you know, and it reminds me of like Pierre Henry or like some fucking music concrete type shit. You know what I mean? But like my favorite, favorite moment is probably uh, 
Wheels of Confusion, Straightener, uh, Ozzy's vocal delivery uh, is dope. And and Ozzy, Ozzy kind of sounds like a siren on this record yeah. to me. He they you know he doubles the vocal and um, I don't know what uh, signal processing they're using. Is this just some like reverb added? Maybe. Uh, a slight tape delay or that that might be the doubling of the vocal that I hear, but he just, he sounds like a siren all over this record. And I love uh, wheels of confusion and the straightener. There's a point. It's like two and a half minutes into it where they go into like this Hendrix. I keep bringing up Hendrix, but uh, they go into this Hendrix kind of like axis bold as love third stone from the sun kind mm-hmm. of thing where it, there's like these like cascading guitars you can tell they did like the the little like tape flange trick that they used to do back in the day and uh it just it's ill and it's so pretty and it just reminds me um how all of this shit exists on like this long winding continuum because it's it's like Okay, they pulled a lot of the, you know, tricky kind of like uh, ear candy in the studio tricks from the 60s psychedelic era. But then they made it into this dark, heavy new thing that would be, you know, heavy metal. So, yeah, I would definitely say uh, Wheels of Confusion, Straightener might be my favorite song on the record it's definitely it has a lot of my favorite moments it keeps you know uh switching up and and changing in a dope way that i like a lot it's more it's way more frantic than like their their change-ups on that song alone is like way more like okay we're here okay we're there we're, like it's like yeah. come catch us like it's it's really like it's really it's it feels like cocaine plate. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it feels like they wrote uh i don't know um if y'all have had this experience in a band where uh <laughs> you know the bass player will write a song and the guitarist <laughs> will write a song and then the second guitarist will write a song and you'll all meet at practice and play your ideas and you'll be like yo let's just like make this into one song mm. you know what i'm saying if it feels very much like that uh compositionally like they just they put not haphazardly but it feels like multiple songs are happening within one song i love true. shit like that true true oh yeah i mean you you took my answer john like that's <laughs> I, I love like ward's drumming at that point mm. like from 2 30 on in that yeah. song it's just bananas. like i texted you gang when i was like i was just coming in the building and that part came in on and i was like this is going to be a wild album to talk about because mm-hmm. it was like it's just you they're they're letting you know that early into the record that you're about to go into the mouth of madness and you have no idea what's coming for you, yep. but it's going to be like hectic energy. And like, you're going to be like just bouncing in your seat, waiting for the next thing. <laughs> yeah, I wish they could have called it what they wanted to. Cause you know what, now that you mentioned you thinking it was a live album, that makes, it makes a lot of sense. Like had people really, I'm sure there's a lot of people like you that like came from master reality to volume four. And it's such a, it's, brief it's like volume four it's like okay mm-hmm. that's all in the album and then you start off so insanely and like yeah. that, that's such a precedent for the whole album like that's and then and then you keep twisting and turning and then you get to under the sun and then you do it again like that's that's incredible yeah it's such a good record mm. Mm. yeah um i guess uh, cornucopia is definitely 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 a moment that I, I kept going back to so much so that, that i looped it like i looped up that like, like that's just that first riff and i was just like letting that rock on the npc for, for like hours and i was just like cool i'm gonna write <laughs> i'm gonna write raps to this nice um that was one of those moments um and under the sun too like that that beginning is like some of the heaviest again i'm, I'm, a, I'm a sucker for that you know um but also, like, I love the fact that they, like, they hit it with a changeup that goes, like, the opposite direction pretty quickly. Um, and also Ozzy's voice on this album, again, to, like, big that up is, like, his his singing is even more 
um, how do I say? Like he's really going, going, going for it. Like mm. in a way, like he sounds present. Like he does sound present to me. Like whereas, like I think, like on Master of Reality, he doesn't even remember making that album. I mean, I'm not saying he might remember making this album either, but like <laughs> he sounded very present and like intentional into how like how much he was pouring into his vocals and how much like he how like it's like I, some of the songs probably are not easy to sing. Like pace he takes in certain songs. Mm -hmm. too. He was in his vocalist bag with this one. Absolutely. Right, 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 right. So yeah. Um, you know, extra star, another another star on his his report card, um, in regard to that, like in regard to him being like a, a unique and singular like front person. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um especially if you're not gonna play any instruments, like uh, well tambourine. Let's relax. Let's relax. Tambourine, tambourine. Come on. <laughs> if you've if you've been to church you know <laughs> tambourine is absolutely an instrument he also played the harmonica on uh, the wizard let's go oh yes 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 well okay so who played piano on changes tommy yeah and he he didn't know how to play piano before that song I believe that. He, not said he that would do lines of cocaine off of the piano at night and figure out how to play it. <laughs> that'll do it. That'll do it. Apparently, that'll do it. The, the plug stays smiling. Um, and then... <laughs> it's ridiculous. Isn't there, like, strings on that song, too? There's, like, these, like... There are strings, or, like, there they are sound... There are some, yeah, some swelling yeah. strings here and there. They're, yeah. like, filtered in a way where they almost sound like they could be synthesized, but I don't know if that was really happening around then. I mean, it, there was, yeah. like, technology for that, but... And they could have definitely paid for that. Like, they'd have, they'd, they it was expensive, but um, they definitely could have had that, but... I was going to say, I'm not sure, um, because uh, Ayami's credited for playing uh, the Mellotron, yeah, that's, that's is, it. That's the it. Mellotron. Yeah. yeah. So that's it's it. it's a recording of strings, oh, strings. that they play, and there's there's tapes inside of the mm -hmm. fucking thing, and it, you know what I mean. So For it's key, right, right, right. Yeah. It's so it's like a balance between a synthesized instrument and an actual like a sampler. sampler it, it is yeah. it is a sampler. You know what right. I mean. So yeah, I, it it's weird because um usually you hear a mellotron uh like like the beatles strawberry feels forever mm. you can tell that mm. shit it don't really sound like strings at all you know it's a mellotron on this record it kind of tricked me a little bit i was like yo am i hearing like strings or like mellotron strings mm -hmm. you feel me is weird i don't know if it was um and how they uh, mic'd it up or, or whatever, you know what I mean? But it, it sounds different from the other Mellotron stuff. Right. Word. Word. Now, that's a good, that's a great call. Uh, Mellotron. Yeah. Uh, shout out to my found sound peoples, my found sound learners. Definitely, <laughs> definitely Mellotron gets mentioned in that first class. Um, I guess we could kind of just ask the last question about the influence that we, that, Perhaps was it that perhaps this album you might hear kind of echoing through to any any bands um, today, or rather just Sabbath in general, like you know traces of Sabbath in in music today. Um, where do y'all where where have y'all found this? Mm. Wow. <laughs> I mean, you know, it could be John first. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't mean to keep like <laughs> keep falling back. Um, all of metal. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> and, and certainly in um, like the stuff like uh, Caius, you know what I mean? Uh, Queens of the Stone Age, mm -hmm. all of the like, quote unquote, like stoner stuff, all of the like doom metal stuff um yeah it's it's everywhere everywhere sabbath is one of those bands um who their sound is thoroughly in uh like the entire dna of rock music you know what i mean so yeah like it's, it's to put it simply everywhere and metal uh i'm not a metal head you know what i mean shout out to all my homies that are um so i'm not as well versed in this 
but I know metal to be uh, subgenre wise, probably the most, uh, uh, you know, mul- multitudinous or like diverse, you know, genre as far as having like the different categories of metal mm. and Sabbath's influence probably lives in all of them. Right. So, yeah, it's 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 everywhere. Yeah. And they're probably the one band that nobody across any subgenre would slander, would dare to slander. Right. right. You can't. Know, like, right. Yeah. You can't. Right. Yeah. Eventually, everybody turns on their creators, but they don't they don't ever get turned on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Cast stones. <laughs> yeah. Um, can you say any 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 other any other places that we found Sabbath? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because that was such a good answer, John. So, like, that was the answer. I mean, I think oh, there's a band I want to say, but I don't know if the fans are going to come for me, so I don't really want to say it. Oh, but anyway, we got I, your back if they do. Yeah, we got your back. We got your back. Um, All the smoke. I don't know if you guys have checked out Turnstile, but I've I heard that they're having a lot of fun and they're equally like the lead singer is a crooner and he's like shirtless and he's dancing and having a good time it doesn't seem like a cocaine space there i mean i don't know I, see, <laughs> you know, I don't but it seems like it's driven by like a different thing mm-hmm. but in the same vein they're having like a lot of fun and the drummer is holding it down he's incredible and there's like funky face flicks but it's like it's heavy, but it's heavy, not in the sense of just fast. It's heavy and like groovy. So, mm-hmm. and maybe they, I don't know if any of those guys are Sabbath mem- uh, fans, but I, I listen to their music and I hear just right. like how they approach it. So if you guys haven't checked them out, turns out it's a pretty cool band. Just pull thank them you, up. I'm going to give them a listen. Word. Thank you. Yo. Yeah. So they um, can't get mad at you now. You turn them on to new people. Check yeah. Out. See? Yeah. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> another fraction of a cent added on to your spotify yeah, account like, yeah absolutely not don't compare but you know that's just my feeling no nah, you're that you're that um last 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 and final question and then sort of a sidebar question uh since halloween mixes were mentioned uh any 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 sabbath songs that you would absolutely just throw one the one sabbath song you would throw on your next halloween mix if mm. mm-hmm Mm. my next spooky halloween mix yeah and also like are y'all throwing misfits on there still or or is this is this (laughs) i never fucked with the misfits i never fucked with the misfits yeah i used to fuck with like the cramps and shit Mm -hmm. like that but yeah never never the misfits same I didn't fuck with them until my my homeboy Reggie, rest in peace, put me onto them. Like when I was like, this was like maybe like 2015, because mm. I was just like, they, they seem stupid. Like yeah, <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> like I like punk, but I was like, oh, the yeah, shit. stupid. Like the people I saw wearing their shirts seemed stupid. Right. Um, so take that, Misfits fans. But they they got some fun music. Yeah, like yeah. some real like Agreed. fun Agreed. like rockabilly songs about aliens and shit. Yeah, like yeah, that's yeah. yeah. They get they get yeah. weird with like the sci the, the kooky sci fi horror and stuff. I I don't know if you ever heard like the Metallica cover album that they did the Garage Days EP. Ah uh, yeah, they yeah, do yeah. a great cover of the like that. Uh, I got something to say. Yeah. I killed your baby today. Right. Yeah. <laughs> the song that, that that song is woo. Yeah, the song is fucking wild. Another band that you guys should check out that maybe they don't have they don't know but uh, Black Midi. Have you guys heard of Black Midi? Black Midi. Yeah. No. Black Midi definitely reminds me so much of Sabbath in uh, a funky ass way. And their their speed, but it's precision. It's not speed to hide anything. The faster they get, the better they get. Um, mm-hmm. I know it's about Sabbath, but now that I'm really thinking about it, I'm like, damn, Sabbath is everywhere in mm-hmm. rock. Today, so. No, facts, facts. Word. Uh, we we just we just banded the Halloween the Halloween no, choice. My Halloween song. Yeah, where's your, where's your Halloween choice at? Come on. <laughs> Probably. Uh, what's the one that's like? Uh, a bit of finger. But 
but I didn't want a little bit too strong. Oh, just a, a little, little bit. bit. We're all standing yes. around a flaming barrel singing do up now. Right. <laughs> that was beautiful. Yeah. There yeah. you go. That's the moment. All That's right. The moment. Uh, <laughs> a Halloween mix, uh, Wheels of Confusion again. Oh, that wow. used to be really? wow. Yeah, I used to put that um that intro that used to be my Halloween mixtape intro, and I would just like soak it. I would <laughs> just ridiculous i would um run the turntable through like a guitar pedal like Come a multi-effects on. joint Let's and go. just like soak it in reverb and that would be like my my intro before i get into the mix mm. so yeah that okay. would that would be the one all right mm. damn tim where you at oh man i would go i mean I, i'm going with the self-titled song I mean, yeah. that shit where he's like, please, God, help me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> That's terrifying to me. Like, still, that song is just like the rain, the starting with the rain and the church bell. Yeah. And yeah. the uh, the devil's tritone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would go. I'm, I'm going off the same album, uh, Sleeping Village. Just, mm. there's, there's something to it. I mean, also, I like put I like did a version of that and like put the uh edited visuals of the omen <laughs> to, to the shit um but like i guess there's something there being you know that either way that that song is uh there's something i mean even the title is kind of wild it's just like sounds sounds like something something like an evilness approaching so to speak an uh-huh. unsuspecting populace um even though that's not i don't even remember what the song is about to be honest but yeah um yeah, shout out. So everyone listening, uh, tap in and, yeah. and, and, and start prepping those Halloween playlists. Um, you know, you feel free to share any Sabbath choices with us on the uh, timeline. Um, but yeah, I think that's our time for, for, for this episode. There it is. want to say a big shout out, big, big love to, to the both of y'all for joining us. Thank yes, you. Thank Anissa. you so much. Yeah. Thank y'all for having me. Thank y'all. Word. And uh, yeah, till next time. Um, I don't know. I'm not going to say keep on rocking in the free world and all that shit. So, like, (laughs) I used to say that so much. Yeah, do your homework and listen to Sabbath Bloody Sabbath for the next record, for the next episode. (laughs) Oh, guys. We're uh, we're joined by, well, we'll just keep it on the low for who we're joined by. Facts. Yeah. Indeed. All right. All right. Much love, yo. Thanks, y'all. Peace. Peace.